thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Yeah, I just saw the video. Hello, What's going people. on? So, you remember my friend Brooke? Yeah. Well, she got a teacher in trouble for asking her about Jesus. What? Now, she's not even supposed to talk about it. And we can't even cover it in our school paper. That's right, people. Jesus sets us free. When did it become incorrect to speak the truth about life and death? When your life gave us all eternity. There we go. Testing one, two, three. Even if it gets me convicted, I'll be on my knees with my hands lifted. If serving music gets the wrong man, if living out my faith in you is bad, then I'll stand right before the jury. Saying I believe is out of line. If I'm judged, cause I'm gone. Welcome to the show. This is Bible News Radio, where your host is smiling. <laughs> hey, I have to tell you, oh my gosh, I was like looking over there on some of the other stations on Periscope, and they're talking about the same similar issues we're going to talk about, except they're like Mr. Depressy faces and like scowling. And I'm thinking, man, how do you deal with your face that way all the time? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was at, um, the prophecy conference in, uh, Oklahoma and I was talking to pastor Billy Crone. I interviewed him on our show and, um, and he has a happy countenance as well. Right. Can everybody hear me? Okay. By the way, can you? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. It'd be better if you turned the, the, uh, phone's volume down. That better? Probably. That worked for you, Bear? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I remember talking to Pastor Billy Crone. And, yeah, he was like, yeah, how come there's so many people out there, prophets of doom? I mean, yeah, horrible, rotten things are happening in the world every single rotten day. Yeah, they are. But you know what? We can be happy if we want. <laughs> I mean, hello? I don't know. I would rather deliver bad news. Not... Being incongruent with a happy face, but, you know, hello, people. Jesus rose from the dead, just so you know. And, um, yeah, we can be happy about it, even if other people are like, you know, Mr. Scowly Faces, which shall rename, remain nameless. I think, I think that's right. Anyway, hello. <laughs> I have to also say, I was on Instagram this morning. I was updating my thing. It's Monday morning. And do you know all the all the icons for Monday are like sad? They're like coffee. There's a coffee cup one with a sad face, and there's like all these other ones. I'm like, hey, 
whatever happened to people some people loving mondays like me i love monday monday's awesome anyway whatever all right so yesterday was easter hopefully you all had a good day randall and i did i want to tell you what happened last night and then yes we're going to get into the serious news of the day but first bareface sitting in clandestine shadowness he wants to come on the screen I'm trying to hide my identity, <laughs> protect my innocence. Um, um, can can we call it something other than Easter? Can we call it Resurrection Day? I thought I did. Well, you said yesterday was Easter, and okay, whatever. You know, Hillary Clinton talked about the Easter worshippers, and maybe there are Easter worshippers. I thought worship, it was Obama that the anyway that worship the goddess Easter. You know, Astarte, Astroth, all that kind of same names. Venus, if you want to call her that. Anyway, we're not celebrating Easter. No. Or we didn't. No. You know. We didn't. So my vote's for Resurrection Day, just so you know. Okay. I hereby sitteth corrected. <laughs> not corrected. Just by the suggest- man in the shadow. Just suggested. Just, just a <laughs> suggestion. It is. A su- okay, it's a good one. I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. And this is how marriage has lasted for all... <laughs> forever. Okay. So here's the thing. Yesterday we went, we, uh, Randall and I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, our kitchen flooded. So you should see our downstairs. It's, I might actually do an Instagram of it over on my Stacey Lynn Harp Instagram account, just so you could see. <sighs> Then I'm not making this up, right? So anyway, our whole house is in disarray downstairs, which is really irritating because we were working really hard on <laughs> getting it all cleaned up down there. But anyway, whatever. So we went out to dinner. We were trying to figure out where do we want to go to dinner? You know, we spent time with my father. We played dominoes and stuff with him and some, some another resident where they live. And, um, and then Randall and I were like, well, where do you want to go? Well, I don't know. Is anything open today? Well, I have no clue if anything's open. I don't know. I don't know. Why don't we go to Red Robin? So we decided to go to Red Robin after I called them up, verified they were open. They were. And I asked the guy, I said, is anybody there? And they're like, nope, not really. <laughs> and I thought, well, gee, okay, we'll be right over. So we we get in the car. We, we go over to Red Robin. And as we're walking in, there was... A young lady who was, turned out she was 14, almost 15, walking with her grandmother, who we didn't know was her grandmother at the time. But anyway, so I said, hey, you know, fancy meeting you guys here. I didn't really say that. But I said, hey, you know, here we are doing the same thing you are, you know, having Resurrection Day Sunday dinner. (laughs) Actually, I didn't say that. I said Easter. (laughs) Don't get mad at me for saying that, Randall. Anyway, and, and I... And I said, yeah, yeah, we are too. That's how, how pathetic are we? <laughs> anyway, so we we walk in together and the guy behind, I, don't know, I can't remember if it was a girl or a guy, but whoever it was, the greeter, the signer or inner or the person that puts you in a booth said, you know, how many of you, four of you or whatever? And I said, sure, you know, if they want to eat with us, they can. And to my surprise, the lady said, sure, we'll eat with you. So, <laughs> so I said, we're just going to do separate checks. But yes, you could, why not? What the heck, right? 
So here, so here we are. The four of us go and we sit down at this booth, in at Red Robin, and um, anyway, we we ended up uh, being there for I don't know how long, probably an hour and a half at least. Um, but we had a really, really interesting conversation. It was a very nice conversation, and it was a witness to Gabe, our waiter, the Gabe who knows me in bareface. But you know, Gabe's like, "Wow, I've never seen strangers come in and decide to eat with one another. How, how weird is that?" But it's cool. It's a cool weird, you know. And so we were like, "Yeah, you know, it kind of is." You know, me and Randall would have had a probably typical boring conversation at dinner talking about all of you guys in the audience. And it's but, hard to get stranger than we are. So. <laughs> but instead, but, but yeah. they were strangers. Yeah. Well, but instead, we ended up having this very interesting conversation and. And really what it turned out to be was really, I think, a, a divine appointment, really. Because believe it or not, you guys got, I got to tell you what happened. So here's this young lady and her grandmother, who was incidentally a few years older than me. So she wasn't like, eh, sunny type grandmother, like some of you in the audience. But she was, you know, um, younger her, than I am. Her early 50s, a little bit older than me, younger than Bareface. And so it turned out. That just a couple of days ago, um, the 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 young lady, uh, her baby sister died, and um, they they buried her. They buried her. She was a baby. She was, I think, about nine months old. And also, one of her friends at school, I think it was, committed suicide, and he was seventeen years old. And so this these two ladies were completely just kind of like trying to just get through the day basically and they lived a half hour away from us uh they weren't they're normally not in spring hill where we live they're usually someplace else and and so it was a real divine appointment it was very cool and the the girl i won't say her name because i don't want to like expose who these people are not that you would know anyway but the the girl at one point uh she she said to us she said can we take a picture of you and i said sure you know i said only if we could take a picture of you though so <laughs> so we exchanged phone numbers and, and pictures and stuff but she was 14 almost 15 years old this young lady and she actually shared near the end of our time together she said she said, the day that my sister was buried, uh, my sunshine was taken away. And, you know, because she said that, she said that her song was, you are my sunshine. And so you got to understand this little baby was, you know, her sister, her biological little sister, apparently had taken 15 years or, or 14 years to come along, maybe 13, depending on the math. I don't know. Anyway, long time. Anyway, this was her sister. And she said the day that she they had the funeral and they had to bury her, that, you know, she her heart was just broken and that her sunshine had been taken away. And then she said she got up or or I don't remember if she said she got up the next day or if it was later that day that all of a sudden this the sun came shining through the clouds and that she realized that God didn't take the sunshine away, that it was still there. 
I thought, oh my gosh, man, this girl is just like this little, like, wise thing. And, um, and she also said, as we were talking about how, quote, weird it was to, to sit and have Easter dinner with complete strangers, she said, you know, <clears throat> there's been a lot of things going on in the world that are really bad. But, you know, it's really nice to see that there's still good people in the world that actually, you know, love people and care about people um, and, um, and all that. And so it was just interesting because her grandmother, who, who there's an aunt on my table, ah, die, little aunt. We we're supposed to learn from the ants, but they shouldn't be on my desk. <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, you know, as we were talking to the grandmother, um, you know, and just kind of hearing the, the story of how, you know, where she was at, what really hit and struck Randall and me was, you know, we, we're both grieving too. You know, Randall's dad didn't die too long ago, and, and four of my other friends died a couple months ago. So, you know, grief is kind of part of life. And, you know, it's interesting because when you look at grief and you look at people and, and how you're supposed to get through life in the world, how do you do that? You know, I mean, how do you do it? How do you do it when you're hit with so much grief? And, of course, yesterday this whole Sri Lanka thing came out in the news. And, um, you know, it's the reports now are saying like 300 people died potentially, you know, in that attack. But going back to this time that we had with these two yesterday, uh, Randall and I, we got in the car afterwards and we were, we were talking about it. And we were talking about how, um, you know, how it was so comfortable, right? These two women didn't put on any airs at all. They weren't like, hey, look at me. I'm so awesome. Oh, isn't this so cool? You know, that we're like, we're doing something super cool eating with strangers no, it was like, here's two broken women who just had their hearts ripped out of their chest, you know, because the human life that God created and that they loved, they loved desperately, you know, they just had to bury. And I don't know if you've ever buried a baby, but it's, it's one of the hardest things I think any person can go through ever. And then yesterday also at our church, our friend who lost her son to suicide a couple of weeks ago, she was actually there singing in the choir. Okay. Now this is a woman who found her son dead. He blew his brains out and she, um, was there singing praises to God in the choir yesterday after finding her dead son with his brains blown out, who was 50 years old. I was thinking, I was thinking about that when I gave her a hug, you know, she said to me and Randall, she said, the enemy ain't going to get me because Jesus is the victor. And you know what? We need to keep spending time in God's word. And I thought, you know what? That is a woman of faith for sure. And these two women that we had lunch with that we didn't know from Adam, literally, whoever Adam is, poor Adam. Anyway, they were women of faith, especially the girl. I mean, the girl was 14. Randall, share your thoughts because I want to encourage you guys that if Jesus isn't alive, then explain to me these three women that we had interaction with yesterday who were suffering in, in anguish and yet still able to put one foot in front of the other and praise God in the midst of such horrible tragedy.
there you are, bare Yeah, well, it was definitely refreshing to, to just to spend time with them, and I'm I'm thankful that they were open to that. Mm-hmm. They didn't recognize us for you know complete weirdos. <laughs> like what you want to be with us? It's like why not? There was there are very few people in the restaurant, and so why not? You know. So it was good to uh, share with one another, encourage one another, I think just by ministry of presence more than anything else. Yeah, well, that's what um, she said. The The grandmother actually said that because I said, okay, what are you taking away from this meeting? And she said, you know what I'm taking away from it is that it's good to that I can go and face people. I don't have to hide. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go back to work tomorrow is exactly what she said. She said uh, that we helped her be able to go back to work tomorrow and uh we need each other yes we do yes we do and so yeah i mean there were people of faith which which was encouraging what do you think uh, of the girl though i mean she's 14 years old gonna be 15 this week yeah yeah and i'm trying to think what was on her t-shirt um I could probably pull up her picture and tell you. Um, yeah, we're talking about, if you just came in, we're talking about how Randall and I yesterday had um, a dinner with two strangers we met at Red Robin for Easter. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> I was thinking stranger than what? Or stranger than who? Well, yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Wait, I can tell Please. you. Wait, hold on. Let me look. I can probably. I don't have a photographic memory. I can picture the t-shirt, the color, and the design, the black lettering, um, but... Uh, It looks like it says you matter. Yeah, you matter to God, I think. Yeah, I'm going to hold the picture up just right right here, then you can see that we're not lying. That's the two that we saw yesterday. Um, um, Hopefully they're not in the witness protection program. I don't think so. But, But yes... They were very precious. They're not on Facebook, just so you know. (laughs) But, so is that all that you got out of the meeting? Well, I mean, other than, you know, what you said. I just thought that it was interesting that the Lord would put four people together who are grieving, who didn't know each other at Red Robin on Easter Sunday. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Agreed. It really was. And like I said, it was like, it was comfortable. It wasn't like there was any pretense going no. on. Like, look at me. I'm so awesome. No, it was just two women with us. Oh. And when they found out what we did, they just thought it was funny. They were like, really? Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Big whoop, right? Whoop you do. Who cares? No, it, was, it was very comfortable. Yeah. For, you know, four people who had just met. Well, you know, Two and two knew each other. It wasn't like four strangers to each other. But still, it was, yeah. But it was a witness to our waiter. Indeed. It was. Oh, and by the way, we did get a free appetizer on Easter Sunday because <laughs> we were there we showed on up. <laughs> Not that that matters, but it was kind of cool. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So we just wanted to share that. If you missed the story, you're going to have to go tune in in the beginning. But anyway. 
Um, let's talk about the article over on Fox News. Terrorist attacks on Christians happening more and more, according to ex-FBI special agent. Um, I actually do not necessarily agree with this comment. Just the headline, I'll tell you why. Because I spent eight years writing the persecution blog for Voice of the Martyrs, so I have a little bit more knowledge than the average bear, I guess, on, on Christian persecution. Um, but I think that, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But let's look at the article. It says here, speaking in the wake of the Easter Sunday massacre in Sri Lanka, a counterterrorism expert told Fox News radical Islamic terrorism is spreading beyond the Middle East and is happening more and more. Bobby Chacon. Chacon. I was going to say bacon, but anyway. Chacon. <laughs> A counterterrorism expert told Fox and Friends Monday that violence on Christians on one of the holiest days of the calendar is nothing new, but claimed the deadly ideology behind the attacks is spreading. It's another sign that the Middle East is not the sole source of these attacks and that we'll see more of these attacks in places where we've seen relative stability. These countries need to get a grip on it. His comments came after an attack reportedly from the local militant group named National Thohik. Jamath killed nearly 300 and injured hundreds more to a church and several hotels in the Indian subcon subcontinent. Police arrested 13 suspects in conjunction with the bombings. He added, I would not be surprised if the investigation determines that there was significant assistance coming from groups outside that country to support an operation like this. It was a very coordinary, coordinated rather, very planned this small local group in Sri Lanka, while it could have carried out an attack like this, I doubt they did so without material support from outside. The retired FBI special agent went on to claim there are a lot of attacks on Christians that are underreported. Well, duh. Oh, yeah. He went on to claim it. Oh, just for fun. That's what he was going to do. See, that irritates me. But anyway, um, I believe that there are militant attacks on Christians every single day that go unreported. I mean, the fact that Boko Haram was able to destroy 700 churches in Nigeria in 24 hours a couple of years ago, and it went underreported, nobody reported it, tells me that there's Christian persecution on the rise all over the place. And I think what he was trying to get the point of is, is that it's not just happening in places like Nigeria and other Muslim-dominated countries. Uh, this attack yesterday, uh, what, or two days ago, depending on where you're at, um, was well orchestrated and it was not just on churches and uh i i i think it's interesting because there's an article over on theintercept.com written by a muslim man named Mahdi Mahdi Hassan and i find this interesting he writes when christians are under attack muslims and the left need to defend them now why i find this interesting why I find that interesting is because this is a Muslim guy saying it, okay? So what this tells me is that he doesn't adhere to Sharia law the way that the Islamic terrorist bombers do uh, because, because then he would be a target of those who are killing him because he would be considered an infidel in his own religion. But anyway, needless to say, let me, let me uh, read what this says. Uh, from Christchurch, New Zealand to Yang something whatever, China, 
There is a war on Muslims. Many of us have spent years writing about it and condemning it, but let's be clear, from the Middle East to parts of Asia and Africa, there is a war on Christians, too. On Sunday, a Sri Lanka's minority Christian community celebrated Easter. Six suicide bombings struck churches and hotels across the country, killing at least 290 people and injuring more than 500 others. While no one has yet taken responsibility for the blasts, uh, Sri Lankan officials are pointing the finger at a little-known local jihadist group called National Thohid Jamath. I'm trying to say these words, people. To call these attacks heartless and barbaric would be an understatement. Nevertheless, they aren't the first such Easter-related attacks on Christians. In Egypt on Palm Sunday 2017, ISIS suicide bombers murdered 45 people in two Coptic churches. In Pakistan in 2016, a suicide bomber affiliated with the Pakistani Taliban massacred 75 Christians celebrating Easter at a public park. In Nigeria on Easter Sunday 2012, a suicide bomber believed to be a member of Boko Haram killed 38 Christians outside a church. I am a Muslim and I consider myself to be on the left, but I'm embarrassed to have to admit that in both Muslim and left circles, the issue of Christian persecution has been downplayed and even ignored for far too long. For Muslims, especially those of us living in the West, it simply isn't an issue we're comfortable discussing. Perhaps understandably, we don't want to give the Islamophobes an extra stick to which to beat us. And the fact is that many of those who have raised this particular issue of Muslim on Christian persecution in the wake of these late latest attacks, such as Republican Senator Ted Cruz or former British conservative Foreign Minister Boris Johnson, do have a well-documented history of anti-Muslim bigotry. On Monday, the Washington Post noted how the Sri Lanka attacks are stoking far-right anger in the West. Well, I wouldn't say that Cruz or Johnson have bigotry. I would say, just like Robert Spencer, if you go to jihadwatch.org, uh, you can see thousands of terrorist attacks on people, and largely Christians, from Muslims. And the irony of it all, and not that there is any irony, but the truth of the matter is the terrorist attacks, maybe, you know, they're, they're, they're Muslims doing it. Most of them, 99.9% .9 of them are. Now, are all Muslims terrorists? No, of course not. But are all the attacks that we know about here in America that have happened? Yeah, most of them are. 9-11 started it, I guess. <sighs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, this guy goes on to say, Meanwhile, progressives struggle to see Christianity, the world's biggest religion, as weak or vulnerable, while prominent Christian leaders here in the West have been associated with, with great crimes. Think George W. Bush, Tony Blair, and the invasion of Iraq. I do wonder whether, on some unconscious level, the secular and broadly progressive West thinks that Christianity had it coming, wrote Giles Fraser, a British priest and social commentator, in the wake of the Sri Lanka bombings on Sunday. They associate Christianity with hope, with popes and their armies, with crusades and inquisitions, with anti-Semitism, British imperialism, Trump supporters, and abortion protesters. <laughs> Fraser, however, conceded that Western Christians haven't helped their cause by describing as persecution the minor run-ins that Christianity has had with the law about cakes for gay couples or street preachers, for example. Here in the United States, a 2016 poll by the Public Religion Research Institute found that white evangelicals are more likely to say Christians face a lot of discrimination than they are to say Muslims face a lot of discrimination, which is palpably absurd. 
Actually, it's not. Actually. <laughs> but then again, you know, this guy's Muslim and, you know, all that. So anyway, uh, the situation abroad, however, is another matter. According to a recent study by Pew, Christians do indeed constitute the most persecuted faith community in the world. They are harassed and targeted in 144 countries with Muslims harassed and targeted in 142 and Jews in 87. I'm not sure who's harassing the Muslims. I know who harasses the Jews, though. It's Muslims who harass the Jews. But anyway, the Christian nonprofit Open Doors publishes an annual World Watch list of the top 50 countries where Christians experience high levels of persecution. Here's what bothers me so much. While communist North Korea number one is far and away the worst place in the world to live as a Christian, and while anti-Christian attacks are rising fast in the Hindu-majority India, which is actually true. Hinduism actually comes after Christians as well, but not but is not as much as communism and Islam, just so you know. Seven of the top ten countries in the world where Christians face extreme persecution are Muslim-majority countries. In fact, according to Open Doors, Islamic extremism remains the global dominant driver of persecution responsible for initiating oppression and conflict in 30, 35 of the 50 countries on the list. And we only use the term Islamic extremism because the islamic extremists are the quote fundamentalist islamic followers they actually are the equivalent of the four percent of bible believing christians that actually do what the bible says and actually live their life according to the word of god it's not like they're you know the four percent number four to nine percent really of bible believing people who actually live their life according to god's standards and we're not just churchgoers you know those are the ones being targeted by the same majority or minority of the Islamic terrorists. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, you did say it right. But just to make sure that you're not comparing. I know that you're not, but I want to make sure that people get the point that you're not comparing Christian extremists. I mean, those who right. believe what the scripture says and are biblical Christians to the quran and hadith believing muslims right um certainly not in behavior you know those right. who are extreme christians fundamental christians w would follow the teachings of christ uh you know loving your enemies etc and while the extreme the fundamentalist muslims would be following um the teachings of muhammad to to destroy the Jews and the infidels. And anyway, back to you. Back to me. Okay, anyway. Um, okay, so this Muslim author goes on to say, on the one hand, it is a smear to suggest 1.8 billion Muslims are to blame for the murderous bigotry of a handful of jihadist groups. It is worth noting that members of Sri Lanka's minority Muslim community say they warned the Sri Lankan military about national Thoheed Jamaat three years ago. Um, on the other hand, the threat posed to Christians goes far beyond terrorist or militant groups. In many Muslim-majority countries, both the governments and religious establishments have much to answer for. In Iran, the famous Christian pastor Yusef Narkhani and three members of his congregation were sentenced to 10 years in prison in June 2018 for acting against national security. In December 2018, the authorities arrested more than 100 100 Iranian Christians in the space of a single week for the crime of pros proselytizing, not easy for me to say, 
In Saudi Arabia, churches are banned and Christians cannot practice their faith in public. In a 2016 interview with the New York Times, the country's Grand Mufti, Abdulaziz somebody, all shahiki whatever, declared Christianity not a religion. In Indonesia, the world's biggest Muslim-majority country, where one in ten members of the population is Christian, hundreds of churches have been forced to close, reported the New York Times on Sunday, and proselytizing is banned. In January, um, Basuki Purnama, the Christian former governor of Jakarta, was released after serving 20 months in prison on trumped-up charges of blasphemy against Islam. In Pakistan... And I covered this from the beginning, this next one. The country's notorious blasphemy laws are used to used to disproportionately target Christians who constitute less than 2% of the population. Uh, think of Asiya Bibi, a Pakistani Christian woman who was sentenced to death for blasphemy and spent almost a decade behind bars before being acquitted in 2018. And I covered that story, and thank God she's now free. Took a long time. Uh, or Rimsha Masi, the 11-year-old Pakistani, Pakistani Christian girl with Down syndrome, who was also accused of blasphemy and despite being acquitted, was then forced to flee the country. Not in my name, I wrote at that time, referencing the persecution of Pakistan's Christians by the Muslim majority. The tragic irony is that the mistreatment of Christians goes against both the diktats of the Quran and the life example of the Prophet Muhammad, it is not just un-Islamic, therefore, but anti-Islamic. The Quran reveres Jesus as a major prophet and praises Christians for being among the people of the book who, who shall have their reward near their Lord and will have no fear, nor will they grieve. Of course, he's not quoting the parts that say to kill us. That's <laughs> just, just saying. And I don't know, maybe he's reading the Council on American-Islamic Relations Quran they send out to anybody who wanted one where they edit that part out. But uh, I have a copy of that one, just so you know. Anyway, um, the Prophet Muhammad offered Christians protection from persecution both in his Constitution of Medina and his covenant with the monks of Mount Sinai. More recently, the Marrakesh Declaration signed by more than 250 Muslim religious leader scholars and heads of state in 2016 declares it, quote, unconscionable to employ religion for the purpose of aggressing upon the rights of Christians, Jews, and other minority communities and Muslim-majority nations, which I find hard to believe. But anyway. Okay. It's not. It's almost over. But it is. But is it. But is it too little, too late? In recent decades, millions of Christians have been driven from the Middle East, the birthplace of their faith. It is so true. In fact, a couple years ago, um, here's the thing. What happened was the Christians were actually, um, they fled out of uh, Bethlehem because of the persecution happening there. Anyway, this is both a tragedy and a scandal. So, too, is the fact that according to Open Doors, a staggering 11 Christians are killed every single day around the world on, a fount, on, on account of their faith. This shouldn't be a right versus left or Muslim versus non-Muslim issue. Many of us, regardless of our faith or our politics, have been rightly vocal in denouncing discrimination and bigotry against minority Muslim communities in Myanmar and and some place in China, against the Yazidi minority in Iraq, against minor Jewish communities in Eastern Europe, and even here in the United States. Outside of the West, though, Christian communities are also under violent and re relentless attack from North Korea to China, 
from Sri Lanka to India, from Iraq to Syria. Let's start giving them the support and solidarity we try and give every other marginalized and persecuted minority. Now, I have to tell you guys, you should write this guy's name down. His name is uh, Mehdi Hassan. That's M-E-H-D-I, M-E-H-D-I. That's how you spell his first name. And H-A-S-A-N. You guys need to write that guy's name down. You know why? H-A-S-A-N. That's his last name. Yeah. Yeah. You write that guy's name down, okay? Do it right now. M-E-H-D-I-H-A-S-A-N. Write his name down and pray for this guy. Because you know what? This guy could become a believer any day, in my opinion. The fact that he is not a jihadist Muslim and that he... um he wrote what he wrote largely accurately. Um, I just have to say that, uh, that's, you know, this guy, maybe the Lord will show him a vision during Ramadan or something. I'm going to, I'll put it in the chat room. Oh yeah, sure. I go ahead and post it in there and it switches the whole thing. Okay. M E H D I. That's his first name. And Hassan H A S A N. It's his last name. That's that guy's name. We should pray for this guy. because Maybe I'll write him an email and say, hey, I read your article on my show. Um, check it out. Because that guy is a Muslim who's actually saying that we should go ahead and, you know, and acknowledge that Christians are persecuted. There you go. All right, Bareface, do you, you have any comments about that or do you want to take a break we should take a break huh do you guys have any comments hey i should say hi to you now that some of you are in here all right so melanie is here my number one super fan christian genie is here or genie christian i don't know which way you go sean is here wanda is here mia is here marty stone is here tommy norman is here mama gina is here Nikki is here who wants you to get noticed with her. <laughs> Bob is here. Yeah, you are. Muscle Mechanics is here. Deplorable is here. Oscar is here. And Bonnie and Abdul are both here as well. And I don't know who else is here. Hi, Oscar. <laughs> I'm here too, just so you know. Um, so here's the thing. Um, yeah, so anyway, so thank you for coming in to the show. I hope that you find this helpful or something. Uh, yeah, anyway, I want to let you know, Ariel Ministries is our sponsor, and we're so blessed to have them. Camp Shoshana is coming up in July and August, and this is a wonderful camp. If you, I'm, I'm telling you, if you want to go somewhere and get get fed some meat of God's word, this is the place to go. You can go there. You can go to campshoshana.com. What I would do if I were you is take a screenshot of that if you're in Periscope and go to the campshoshana right there.com. Go down there. And that's C-A-M-P-S-H-O-S-H-A-N-A-H.com. Campshoshana.com. Go there. Register for Camp Shoshana, the School of Messianic Jewish Studies. You can see what they're going to be teaching at this. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Also, we got that book, from Dr. Arnold G. Fruchtenbaum, a brand new one out. It's called the, the, um, is it the Feasts and Fasts of Israel? Yeah, it is right there. 
over there. I always do it the wrong way. <laughs> it's the Feast of Fast of Israel. Their historical and prophetic significance. Now, this thing has almost 500 pages. It's a hardback book. Uh, you guys can save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News there. I want to encourage you to do that. And here's the thing. If you go to our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, and you go over to our, I guess it's resources page. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. If you go over there, you can just see all that stuff there. Um, it will click through to the website. You guys can take care of that. Lickety split. Yeah, you can. All right. The other thing you can do at BibleNewsRadio.com is you can become a pillar pillar of our community, which is those people who donate to us once in a while or once a month. Actually, it's technically once a month, but you can donate once in a while too if you need to. Um, but we encourage you to become a pillar. That just means that you love us and you want to support us some. Um, so you can go up there. You can set up a reoccurring payment over at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. By the way, I want to say thank you. A big heartfelt thanks to all of you who do that. Um, it really does minister to me and Randall, and we thank you for it because, you know, it just tells you, again, you know, there are days where I'm like, Lord, you really, seriously, <laughs> again, <laughs> and then a donation comes in and it's like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you so much. So glad you did that today. Um, you know, I mean, it really does help. And, um, you know, and, and we have, you know, we have things happening all the time, like our, our kitchen flooding. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, those of you who are faithful in giving every month to us, I thank you very much for doing that. Appreciate it. Also, I want to let you know that uh, I have coming up this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, and there is no link for this yet. Um, um, I'm putting together a will workshop. Those of you who are my Legal Shield members, you can come to this. You can learn about it, why you need to get your will done, like me and Bareface did from Legal Shield. But even more so, you'll learn a whole bunch of interesting stuff about wills and why you need one if you don't have one. Um, so stay tuned for that and all that. And then if you also want to get a couple, you want to get a free thing from me and also you want to join my, uh, well, if you want the free thing, if you go to bit.ly forward slash SLH piece right there, you can see that SLH piece for you on the audio. It's all lowercase. Just go there. That is my PDF uh, with scriptures on it that will help you with worry, stress, and anxiety. And here's the thing. If you actually read it and meditate on those verses I gave you, it will definitely help you. Just saying. So you can go get that. And if you want to get my, my special, which is going on right now, my, my uh, Bible study that I put together like a year ago or something, called Stop Lying to Yourself, Your Secrets Are Not Secret, what you're missing because of your secrets. This is a study in King David and what he did, what he went through. All you got to do is go to bit.ly forward slash all capitals BNR classroom. Right now that course is on sale for 10 bucks. Okay, $10. I had it way higher than that. And so, you know, one of you recently bought it and I thank you for that. You know who you are. Um, definitely go through it. That's like over two hours of solid Bible teaching from me with handouts. Uh, it's video. And if you love me, you'll love that. Just saying. <laughs> it will. It will change your life, I think. It changed my life. I mean, just saying. All right. Um, is that it? Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. That's it for now on the announcements and stuff. All right. Let's get back to our regular scheduled news broadcast now. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. We're back. <laughs> okay. 
Stop lying to yourself. That's what I said. Hypocrites. Hmm. So donate and be a pillar or donate and get a study. Well, money, money, money. Yes, that's it. That's right. That's what we're all about here. Give us the money. That's what we want. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I laugh because you have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Randall, uh, let's see here. Okay. So let's look at the Wall Street Journal article. Uh, this is titled U.S. India warned Sri Lanka weeks before Easter terror attacks. Now, I thought that that oh that's uh, yeah i know i'm getting it oh i can do oh. that one no 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 hold on okay i'm holding right now i love bareface he oh. what would i do without him i would be boring i'd be like sitting there in front of a camera twiddling my um, thumbs yeah oh <laughs> uh, okay okay so here it is you ready yeah, anytime. Okay. U.S. India warned Sri Lanka weeks before Easter terror attacks. Authorities take 26 people into custody. Social media services remain blocked after bombings killed nearly 300. I find it fascinating that I, when I read this a couple days ago about the social media being blocked, I thought, you know, they're trying to hide something. You know, because you know how it is with social media. People screenshot stuff and everything. Yeah. Anyway, so listen to this. It says, U.S. and Indian security services warned the Sri Lankan government of a planned of a planned attack weeks before a devastating series of bombings killed at least 290 people at churches and tourist hotels on Easter Sunday. Sri Lanka government officials said some of the suicide bombers and others arrested were linked to an obscure radical Islamic group known as National uh, Tohith Jamath a group the government singled out to police for monitoring as possible threat after the foreign security services issued their warning. The sophistication of Easter morning attacks indicated to Sri Lankan and international terror experts that whoever carried them out likely had help from experienced international terrorists, perhaps even Al-Qaeda or Islamic State, Sri Lankan officials said. Can you put up the map there? I don't know if it, if it scrolls down there. Um, just where it shows the hotel and stuff. That's weird. It's not showing the words there. Uh, they're underneath. That's but... weird. Okay, that's... Well, anyway, where you, where those red dots are, I can read you what, you know, on the second map yeah. down. Okay, so... St. Anthony's Shrine, uh, Mahawala Gardens Housing Complex... The Zoological Garden, Cinnamon Grand Hotel, Shangri-La Hotel, and the Kingsbury Hotel. And then, oh, in the first one, there was also the Zion Church and St. Sebastian's Church um, were also targeted. So, anyway, I'm not going to read this whole article. I just think that what is interesting about it is... That the fact is that they had, I mean, it was coordinated for sure. Who, I mean, you know. And what was it? What was the message that they were trying to send? What do you think? You know, if you go over to the, to the Drudge Report right now, they actually have a picture of a guy that they think is it. That guy, 
He he has a beard. Uh, and it says face of Sri Lanka mastermind question mark, you know. Um, he reminds me of Osama bin Laden from many years ago, except he was a younger one than Osama, you know. So, yeah. <sighs> it's so tragic. Okay, but see, this isn't a big shock because this is the thing. In eight plus years writing about Christian persecution for the world's largest ministry of the persecuted church, what I can tell you is that Christians are targeted on Easter, Good Friday, and Christmas, and Ramadan, all during Ramadan as well. Yes, they're targeted every other day of the year as well, but the big attacks come on our holy days, if you will, um, and during Ramadan when they are going and doing their their Muslim Mecca thing, all that. <clears throat> so, interestingly, over on the CNN, the Communist New Net News Network website, I say halfly in jest, <laughs> uh, it says here, a tragic Holy Week culminates in an Easter Sunday horror. Um, and it says here, it's been a testing week for Christians everywhere. Easter Sunday in Christian teaching tradition began with a frightening shock, the resurrection. Jesus of Nazareth's body was discovered missing from the cave his disciples left it in following his crucifixion days earlier. It has since become one of the most sacred, precious, and holy days in the Christian calendar, a moment of spirituality and communion with others in the faith. This past Monday saw some of those faithful fall to their knees in prayer and him as their beloved Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris burned as they watched. They gasped as the 150-year-old spire of the iconic cathedral first leaned, then twisted, and fell crashing through the roof to the altar below. As the prayers were answered, the walls held and holy icons, including the crown of thorns that many believed Jesus wore at his crucifixion, were saved. Paris prosecutors were investigating if an electrical short circuit caused the fire in the 850-year-old building where renovations had been taking place. Uh, across the Atlantic, in New York, police intercepted a would-be arsonist as he stepped into St. Patrick's Cathedral venerated halls, loaded with cans of gasoline, lighter fluid, and lighters. A second cathedral fire in a week was averted. I don't know uh, if you guys heard about that or not. Not so fortunate, in Louisiana a few weeks earlier, arsonists set fire to three historically black churches. Fires burned at St. Mary's Baptist Church in Port Bear on March 26th. Greater Union Baptist Church in Opelousas. Did I say that right? Yeah, whatever. On April 2nd, and Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in, the, in Opelousas on April 4th. Yeah, which, by the way, goes largely underreported, by the way. At this time, at a time when the Catholic Church struggles with an abuse scandal that stretches the breadth of the it reach. That doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. Straddling generations of victims and clerics throwing up an indigestible litany of wretched wrongdoing and suffering. I wonder how long it took the guy to write that line. Yes, hmm. How shall I say this? Throwing up... Blech. No, I'm Paying just such close attention to the, the previous. <laughs> anyway, Easter this year already had an ecclesiastical cloud hanging over it. The faithful tested in their belief that good will triumph over evil. The grasp 
on that faith stretched more on Thursday when one of Northern Ireland's most promising young journalists was shot dead by teenage dissident Irish Republicans. Lyra McKee, 29, was rated in a top 30 under 30 media list by Forbes. Her writing had a formidable capacity to reach her readers' emotions, a talent many can only dream of. Easter played its role in her death. Oh, that's sad. Ahead of Irish Republican Easter parades commemorating the 1916 uprising against British rule, police raided a Catholic neighborhood in Derry, Northern Ireland. Events turned violent late Thursday night as local young people threw patrol bombs, or petrol, petrol bombs, at police. As McKee stood at the back of one of the police's armored vehicles, a teenage gunman police described as a new breed of terrorists from the new IRA group. Terror group fired shots. McKee was hit in the head. Her bright light, as her partner said the following day, was snuffed out. With the holy day, Easter came the worst, a shock. Not spiritual like the resurrection, but a blow to Christians everywhere, an attack on the faithful while at worship, In any religion, little can be more heinous than this. The church teaches forgiveness, and so it will, but not before horror and anguish have spent their way through all those involved. In Sri Lanka, bombs causing carnage that, as horrible as the previous week was, left those events paling in the shadow of a lesser cloud. Not buildings that can be rebuilt, not holy relics to be retrieved and revered, but lives like Lyra McKee's shattered and lost forever. Hundreds of bright lights darkened, families devastated, faith tested, a most unholy week. Or was it, really? I mean, I see this. These are horrible, horrible, horrible events. But I see it as evidence of the spiritual war going on in the world that so many like to deny even exists, right? I think that it's Lyra. Okay, sorry about that. Um, I think that it is um, evidence that the devil is getting more and more threatened because his whole job is to come to kill, steal, and destroy and because he knows the end is near. And I believe the end is near. I think the end is nearer than we, than, well, the end is nearer than when we first believed years ago. But, um, you know, it's, it's coming. I mean, I've said this, I can't even count how many times I've said that Islam wants to overtake America by 2020. That's less than a year away, you guys, you know, and they are, the creeping is here. It's here, but it's over there too. It's everywhere, you know, and the good news is, is that Jesus conquered death. You know, one thing my pastor said yesterday that I loved, I wrote it down, was that the tomb is empty. Yeah, it is. The tomb is empty. Muhammad's tomb is not empty, just so you know. Gandhi's tomb isn't empty. Nope. You know, uh, Stalin, his tomb isn't empty. Hitler's tomb isn't empty. Uh, You know, all the evildoers in the world who have tried to take God down and destroy Christianity, guess what? Their tombs are not empty. They're all filled with dead bones. But Jesus rose from the dead. And I don't know about you guys, but when you really think about the power of the resurrection and you think about that truth, that up from the grave he arose a mighty victor over his foes. I mean, he arose a victor from the dark domain, right? Yeah, he did. That's like one of my favorite songs. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. 
You know, because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Right? Uh, and that's the good news. I mean, it's a him, but still it's good news. You know, it is good news, right? You guys agree? Yeah. You know, and so that's why as your sweet and lovable broadcaster, most of the time I try to have a happy countenance. <laughs> you know, there's all these people is like, oh, horrible, rotten things are happening. Well, yeah, they are actually. <laughs> but don't miss the good stuff. And this is what, where, was I saying this at Friday? I think I was. Yeah, I did. On Friday, I was talking about how, you know, good news gets ignored, right? It's so easy to look at, it, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. But the good news is Jesus is alive, people. And you know what? He, let me just say something. He has been showing up in the Muslim world, like appearing to Muslims, you know? And one of my favorite stories, I heard this, um, I don't know, at least five or six years ago now, maybe longer. But I remember I was at a Voice of the Martyrs uh, conference. My friend Tom ne Todd Nettleton uh, shared this story with how, me how this um, Muslim guy, actually he was at the conference. He, this, this Muslim man had been praying during Ramadan to find out what the truth is. And he kept having these visions of Jesus and having these conversations with the Lord. And the Lord was telling him, hey, write down these words. So the guy got a notebook and he wrote it all down. He wrote down every single word that the Lord told him to write down. And then at the end of these visions, which happened over a period of days, the Lord told him, now go to your Christian friend that you know and show him what I gave you. And he did. He, went and he took his notebook that he had written down all this stuff and he showed it to his Christian friend, and his Christian friend almost had a heart attack when he read what it was. You know what it was? It was the Gospel of John. That's what it was. <laughs> anyway, that guy, the Christian, was able to lead the Muslim guy to the Lord. You know, and you can't tell me that's not God. Just saying. that. I mean, who does that? But God, right? But God. You know, God sets people free from addiction. Think about that one. Yeah. How many of you have been set free from addiction? Yeah. Some people, they become born again. God delivers them from drugs and alcohol, from pornography, from bad language, you know, saying bad stuff, from cigarettes, you know, from eating bad food. I wish that was mine, but no. <laughs> you know, from depression, God, I mean, God can do whatever he wants. He can intervene in your life in ways you wouldn't even expect. Just saying. You know, he's real. And if you don't believe it, I dare you to test him because he will come in and he'll show you. Yeah, I am. He'll go, hey, look at me. <sighs> you know, something stood out to me, too, uh, about the um, about Good Friday. When I was reading through the Gospel of John and reading those chapters in John, I thought it was interesting. And I, I don't know if I noticed this before. At least it was something new I noticed anyway. On the top of the cross where the crime was was put, it actually said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Okay? I thought about that because earlier when I just read a little article there, the, the author of the article wrote Jesus of Nazareth. Think about it. There's a lot of guys named that Jesus, you know, during that time. Not just Jesus. Jesus was named Jesus, but... 
Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, people. His tomb is empty, just so you know. And I have to say that, you know, um, I, I look forward to seeing the Lord face to face one day. You know, Randall and I have talked about that, you know, how someday, um, you know, we're not going to have, um, we're not going to be here anymore in our bodies, you know, our fleshly human bodies. But one day, you know, the Bible says that we, you know, it's appointed under man once to die. Then after that, the judgment. It also says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? I mean, is that awesome or what? We don't think it will happen, but we know it will happen, right? One day, we're going to see Jesus face to face. And the Bible says that, you know, people say that there won't be any tears in heaven, but that's not true. The Bible says that he will wipe away every tear, which means there's going to be tears there because he can't wipe them away if there ain't any tears, just so you know. But he will wipe away all those tears, you know. He'll look at us. He'll give us a big hug. And to those of us who've been faithful even unto death, he'll say to you, well done, a good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Someday this body is gone just so you know no more weight issues people <laughs> i'm looking forward to that day you know no more depression no more anxiety no more darkness of this world no more sin nature we have heaven to look forward to we have good news to share with people yeah we do you know jesus is the living water he is the bread of life you know his word nourishes us my friend linda whose son just killed himself a couple weeks ago she she found him. She He shot his brains out. And she was at church yesterday singing in the choir. And she was saying to me that the Bible, you know, I'm just in the Bible. I just have to be in the Bible because the devil ain't going to win. And you know what? He ain't going to win. He's lost because Jesus rose from the dead, man. He did. He rose from the dead. And that's worthy of worship, don't you think? I mean, one true God rose from the dead. He conquered death, people. Yeah, he did. We might have to go through death, but we're going to rise again if we're in him, right? <clears throat> yeah, we will. We will rise. And those of us, there is a generation that will be raptured. Yeah, and I'm personally hoping that's us. But if it isn't, that's okay. I still know, according to 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to be rised up, you know, in 1 Thessalonians 4 or 5. I'm not sure which one. You know, we'll be caught up together with him in the air. We're going we're gonna to reign forever with the Lord. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. So this is the good news. We have to tell people not to kill themselves, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to carry each other's burdens because that is the law of Christ, to, to fulfill the law of Christ. That's the issue. That's the issue. You know, people come in here and say, oh, you guys are all about money. You have no clue, dude. <laughs> I'm about the gospel. And you know what? I do this despite our finances. Because you know what? People get saved. People get baptized. People get grown in their discipleship. They're drawing closer to the Lord. And James 4, 8 says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. I believe that. <clears throat> I believe everything I always say. I don't sit here and go, nee. I don't believe it. Yeah, I do. I believe it to the marrow of my bones because I know what God did for me. You know, he saved me, a wretched sinner with big, fluffy, curly hair. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I will forever to my 
dying breath, I hope, if I have that opportunity, continue to declare who Christ is to the world because he is the only hope because that tomb is empty. So I know I've gone over. So with that said, I'll just say amen to my sister and brothers out there and just say, hey, you know what? Remember, be bold, people. We have the truth. Stand up and go with God because he loves you and other people too. Okay. All right. So we'll see you tomorrow. I have a guest tomorrow. We're going to talk about pro-life issues, some makeup and other fun stuff. So stay tuned until tomorrow and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you then. Okay. Bye.